Hey, welcome to the Bible Savvy Podcast, a weekly conversation on how to understand, enjoy, and apply God's Word. I'm your host, Nikki Lucas, and I'm joined by Executive Pastor Eric Ferris and Teaching Pastor Clayton Keenan. We're about to jump into another passage from the Bible Savvy Reading Schedule, but before we do, guys, it is 4th of July. Happy 4th of July. Hey. It's Independence Day. Independence Day. Right? Also, question, fireworks is happening. They, They normally happen on today. Do you... Are you for fireworks shows? Are you against them? <laughs> for or Do you against. go to them? <laughs> Do you not go to them? Do you like fireworks? Are you afraid of them? Like this all the, of the this above. This is the culture we live in. You either have to be for, for or against <laughs> it. And the angrier you are with your answer, the better off you are. If you have a dog, are they afraid of fireworks? Look, are are we a church that is for or against fireworks? <laughs> exactly. Uh, you know, I like fireworks. Uh, you know, it's pleasant to sit out there and, and do that. It's... Uh, it's harder with kids. So I, like our kids are getting old enough that they can stay up late and do that. Uh, but the younger half, our little guy, um, it, it makes it so that it is a very late night. Like for that, to the incentive of like, you're going to see lights in the sky. Like somehow it doesn't feel worth it for the cost <laughs> that it is. Like at, at the end of the day, it's not as impressive as even like just putting on a movie for a little kid. So, uh, and they usually freak out too. Cause they're like, I'm so excited, but also this is terrifying. So I need to wait a couple of years and I think it'll get fun again. Gotcha. Eric? Bugs. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Heat, humidity, large crowds with BO. There is not a firework I have ever seen that counteracts <laughs> how much misery you have to endure <laughs> oh, to see Whoa. bright things in the sky. Oh, wow. Wow. That, that, remember so- when we talked about going to the beach? Like that was, oh, yeah. that was, that was like Eric's going to like right. when I react to the beach, that's how he reacted to the fireworks. I did not expect that. Yeah, I didn't either. Well, now see, <laughs> I would, okay. So I would agree with you. I'm, I'm not really one that likes. She pointed to me. Not yeah, oh, sorry, no, that's, no, for, yeah, that's no. for the podcast You can't record. see, that's right. I, I agree with Eric in the sense that I'm not really one for going and getting in like a group of sweaty, large group of people. Um, okay. <laughs> your, your sound effect is perfect. Okay, point. that was on point. I was scrolling looking um, for fireworks sound effects, <laughs> okay. and that's what I got. Okay, um, but the one thing that I do like to do on Fourth of July is I like to get with like some close friends and find a place that you can park and get outside, like in a parking lot in a far away distance enough where you can see the fireworks, but you're not around all of the large crowds that are sweaty and have bo. And all that stuff. So, but, but you guys go to other places where there are groups of people, right? Yes, it's not sweaty and humidity, and there's large groups of people that are standing around. I don't know. It's different. Unfortunately, like a July, concert it's or I no? Been, I don't go to concerts for that same for the reason. same reason. Yeah, I haven't been to a concert in years. Wow. Yeah. Well, not like I've been to a lot of concerts. I'm recently, not. A, I'm not a big fan of. I work at a mega church. I'm not a big fan of gathering lots of people in one place for a singular purpose. That sounds terrible to me. But again, I know what I'll do with my life. Nikki's in charge of our weekend services. They are not sweaty and they don't have VO. Okay. Uh, It's come as you are. Come as you are at our church. Thus, our regathering event outdoors <laughs> on September 11th. There all, will be no bugs or BO. All five campuses in one location. That's going to be really fun. It's it's gonna be awesome. We are doing one outdoor awesome. service it with all campuses. Amazing. There will be no bugs. No. Because we're... A lot of citronella candles. There'll be a lot of... <laughs> <laughs> or torches everywhere. And we are now formally requesting that everyone in attendance showers within three hours of attending the event. 
Then we can get rid of the BO problem. We're fine. There you go. Okay, we get. There won't be fireworks either, or will there be? Uh, I don't know. That's a good question. I don't. I'm not part of that. I'm not part of that planning. Hmm. I wow. doubt there'll be fireworks. Well, it's not, it's not. during the day. It's a daytime. Pyrotechnics. That's right. That's right. There might be pyrotechnics. Mm. That's possible. We'll have to see. I mean, I have seen the stage layout. It's, it's pretty true. massive. I'll have to talk so. to my team about that. Uh, we're, 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 talking about, we're, we're talking about fireworks right. shows. We're talking about fireworks shows. Oh, he, That's the consensus, okay? Okay, I really do enjoy fireworks. Yes. I was overselling that. <laughs> like if, if I could go like drive somewhere and not be in the crowd, like Nikki said, but actually just watch. So Elburn actually has, the little town I live in, Elburn, has a pretty decent fireworks show. Yeah. That's somewhat enjoyable to me if I can see it without having to go and put down a blanket in the field and... Have All bugs that. crawling on you. No, well, thank you. If I go find, if like a group of people that I get together with, go and find a parking lot to hang out in, then I'll call you and you can come. Okay. Hang out with us. All right, Clayton. All right. Uh, we're talking about uh, Acts chapter six today. Uh, we are continuing as we read through the book of Acts here. Uh, we're, uh, just so you know, if you're following along on the podcast, we're also uh, teaching through the book of Acts um, in our weekend services. So we're covering different passages. So if you're saying, hey, there's something else I'm curious about, uh, you may want to check out the messages that we're doing there. Uh, but we're in uh, Acts chapter six, a little recap of the context. Uh, at the beginning of the book of Acts, Jesus ascends to heaven and goes to the throne. And then after that, the Holy Spirit descends and comes on his people. So these are the two pivotal, important events that set up the whole thing. Like everything that is happening is kind of an unfolding of those two things. And what's going on is the early church, this, this early community of Jesus's followers is, is, is embracing their mission of saying, we're going to tell people about what's happened and people are coming into the church and it's creating uh, just kind of a beautiful mess. Like there's all sorts of things that are going on. Uh, they're taking care of people with needs and they're getting in trouble with the authorities and they're realizing some people are genuine and some people are hypocrites and there's all sorts of stuff happening. Like it, you would think, okay, this is all going to come together perfectly, but it, it turns out people are messy and even God's people are messy. Maybe especially God's people are messy. And what we're looking at right now is another episode of them sorting out some of the, the mess, uh, the kind of growing pains of this movement, this church uh, that's happening. So uh, I'm going to have Eric read, uh, starting in verse one, we'll go through verse seven. In those days when the number of disciples was increasing, the Hellenistic Jews among them complained against the Hebraic Jews because their widows were being overlooked in the daily distribution of food. So the 12 gathered all the disciples together and said, it would not be right for us to neglect the ministry of the word of God in order to wait on tables. Brothers and sisters, Choose seven men from among you who are known to be full of the spirit and wisdom. We will turn this responsibility over to them and will give our attention to prayer and the ministry of the word. This proposal pleased the whole group. They chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit, and also six other guys. They presented these men to the apostles who prayed and laid their hands on them. So the word of God spread, the number of disciples in Jerusalem increased rapidly, and a large number of priests became obedient to the faith. All right. Do you like, six, do you like how six I got other guys. Six, other guys. six other guys. Their names uh, are hard to pronounce. Their names so. are hard to pronounce, it's true. Uh, although they may be relevant, or there may be something about them that, that might be interesting to note. But... Um, let, let's start with observations. I'll, I'll start off with a, a, a clarifying one that you can probably find in your footnotes here. You may be wondering, what's the difference between a Hellenistic Jew and a Hebraic Jew? Uh, simple version is this. Um, a few hundred years before this event, there's a guy named Alexander the Great. So you probably heard of him. He basically conquered the whole world and he was from Greece. Okay. So he, um, one of the things that he did 
uh, was make sure everybody in his empire spoke Greek. And so the result of that, even though his his reign, you know, ended fairly early, um, the the lasting result was that across all of these different countries, uh, you know, around the Mediterranean, basically everybody spoke Greek in addition to whatever their local language was. And there was a big tension within the Jewish community between uh, people who spoke Hebrew which or, or Aramaic, which would have been the kind of local language that they spoke and kind of their national language. And then especially those Jews that lived in other parts of the world where they took on the Greek language as kind of their day-to-day language. And they also um, took on a little bit more of Greek culture. And there was a tension between those who said, no, to really you know be true to your roots, you should you know speak Hebrew and have more you know of our customs. And then the others who adopted more. So there's a little bit of like, we're kind of two cultural groups, even though we're the same faith and the same you know, kind of ethnicity, um, there's some tension between those two. So those are the two groups. All right. So what observations do you guys see? One of the things that I thought was interesting um, was, okay, so the the argument was that um, the the widows weren't being taken care of. They were being overlooked uh, in the distribution of food, right? So... It says the twelve, the twelve disciples. They got, they got together and they said, "It would not be right for us to neglect the ministry of the word of God in order to wait on tables." Like, like I get what they're saying, but there is kind of, like to me, I'm like trying to read that. You know how like in, in previous episodes we've talked and said like, "Hmm, I what kind of t- I wonder what kind of tone that was said with?" Because sometimes when I read that and I say. When I see that, when I see the phrase "wait on tables," it's almost as if like I'm thinking, were some of them like being like sarcastic or like, dismissive, dismissive? Like we're, we're above that. Like, <laughs> like we've got we've got like preaching to do and like people to heal. Like we can't be waiting on tables. But the part of like the early church, like they, what was important was the preaching of the word, but also the taking care of like people's material needs. So that was two things there. So I'm just kind of wondering, what do you guys think about? What do you guys think about that there? Like they, they did think it was important enough to say, okay, you guys are going to go preach and you guys are going to go meet the material needs. But that phrasing there, it irritates me. I can understand that. I, especially when we try to emphasize a lot that the thing that God calls you to, maybe it's your work or the spiritual gift that you have or whatever, like you, you don't have to be an upfront leader for that to be significant. In, in fact, all of us are called to significant things. Um, and there's no, there's no calling that's like, well, <laughs> they got a really special one and I just got kind of an ordinary thing. Um, I, I, so I think the tone is probably better than, than it comes across. It, then, yeah. Um, and here's my clue in the text that maybe, maybe it's different. Notice the kind of people they picked. So in verse three, mm-hmm. um, it, like they, after they make the tables comment, yeah. it says, Choose people who are known to be full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom. And then later it says, uh, you know, full of faith in the Holy Spirit. So there's clearly a, a maturity, a wisdom, a weightiness to this that they didn't just say anybody who's got the skills should do it. Um, in fact, they said, no, we want to make sure that these are uh, faithful, uh, spirit-filled, wise people who are doing this and they're, they're well known for that. So there's something about the criteria that they use that say, um, we know this is important. Mm -hmm. So whatever they're saying, I don't think they're saying it's unimportant. Um, I think they're more likely saying it's not our calling. Like it's not the thing that we're supposed to do. So that's my best guess. No, and and, and Although these same guys were jostling for position in the gospels. (laughs) I wouldn't put above them to be. Right. So it's, it's probably worthwhile to acknowledge that. 
that you do have these men who didn't get it when they were with Jesus and had selfish motivations and were jostling for a position because they didn't really understand the kingdom of God. And Jesus would say things to them like, mm, the greatest among you is the one who serves. So I think, I think what we're seeing in Acts is a maturation. We're seeing them being filled with the spirit. They're getting it more and more. Like, and so I don't, I don't read it the same way I read them talking when they're in the gospels. Mm-hmm. I read it as them acknowledging, no, the two greatest things that we've been called yeah. to are prayer the ministry of the word. Uh, it's not to say that the other things aren't necessary or that they shouldn't be handled, but that they have a specific role to play that they've been called to. Uh, and so it would be in some ways a dereliction of duty. Like if I do this, that means I'm not doing that and that wouldn't be a good thing. Yeah, you can't focus on it all. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What else do you see? I see, again the inclusion of all people. So just like in the first few chapters of Acts where it goes out of its way to say all the people were gathered and the prophecy of Joel, the men, the women, the children, the young, the old, the the 12 gathered all the disciples together. Notice verse three, brothers and sisters, choose seven men among you who are known to be full of the spirit we'll turn this responsibility over to them. So there are uh, men, men and women in this assembly. I think the, uh, I have the observation of kind of a normal human tendency that causes a lot of our problems, right? So uh, when it says in verse one, the widows were being overlooked in the daily distri- distribution of food. Okay, so you, you gotta rem- kind of think of what's going on here. You've got people who um, they're poor, um, especially widows who wouldn't necessarily have had family to take care of them, especially if they became Christians, like their, their family may say, Hey, you, you've kind of abandoned our faith and whatever. So there may be some, they're, they're, they're in need. Um, and so the early church is doing what Jesus said to do and meeting those needs. Um, but the natural thing is this, you tend to overlook the group you don't always associate with. Like if, if your normal social circle is a certain group of people, it's easy to see the needs of that group. And that means it's also, without trying, easy to neglect the needs of the, the group you don't, you, you're not inclined to be around or see. And there may have been things that are more um, concerning than that. Like, uh, you know, people who are the Hebraic Jews saying, no, we, like, we, we actually really do care about this group more, or we kind of look down on this other group. Um, but even if it's not that, like the simple natural thing of, I see the needs of my community, but I fail to see the needs of another community uh, is a really common human problem. And, and it creates a lot of the tensions that we experience on, a, on a, a small and a large scale in our society. One of the things that I said that I, that I noticed um, it, kind of going along with what you said, Clayton, with uh, it's not that they were looking down on it, but they said like, we're going to give that responsibility to these other people. And that they did take care and who they chose for that, even that, even they took it a step further than in verse six. And they said, they presented these men to the apostles who prayed and laid their hands on them. Yep. And it's like this, like, um, I, I think it's like a sending out, like, you know, like, uh, oftentimes, um, if, you know, like people, if we have like groups and teams going on mission trips or something like that, right? Oftentimes we'll like gather in a circle and we'll pray for that team that God would, you know, watch over them and let their ministry be successful. And it's that 
visual that I'm having in my mind of like this group of people, the apostles standing around this group of people, laying hands on them and praying for them and sending them out to do that good work. And, and to me, it's, yeah. uh, it's, I'm connecting that picture with like pictures when we send out like community groups out into the community, when we send out, uh, you know, people on mission trips, it's just that, that gathering and praying and sending out. Yeah. And you see, you you do see these men are, are, People who later in later stories are out doing those sorts of things. Um, it this is a group of people. So um, there's a uh, a group that was established in different churches called deacons. You read the rest of the New Testament. This is many people look at this and say this is kind of the first version of that, like the first prototype of that group of people, uh, where within the leadership of a community, you've got. Um, elders who are the people who take kind of spiritual oversight, kind of the, the you know, um, like protection of the church in terms of, you know, theology and spiritual things and leadership and care for people. Um, but then there are these practical needs that often take um, kind of particular administrative gifts or practical kinds of things. Um, and the group of deacons were the people who took responsibility for that. But when you look at in other places in the New Testament, the qualifications for those people, there was a sense of this is a this is also a spiritual authority to take the resources of the community and use them well to meet the needs of the community is not something that's just a practical matter. It's also a, a, a spiritual responsibility. So this kind of commissioning, this kind of almost what you might call ordination, like you know that's kind of what people started to call it in the future, um, was really important because we're saying some of, we're giving you authority within our community to use our resources how you see fit. So there's a there's a big responsibility to say you're going to spend money or use our, our stuff uh, and you're going to have decision-making power about those things. Yeah, I don't know. I don't have my NIV study Bible open. Does it make in, when uh, they lay their hands on them, does it reference Numbers 27 at all in the NIV study Bible? Uh, what what verse is that? Let's see, they... Yeah, it does, 6-6. Six, six. It does, yep. Yep. Yeah, so that would be where Moses lays his hands on Joshua mm. and confers some of his authority on Joshua, and so this would be the same kind of same kind of thing going on here. Um, all right, the names that I skipped. Yeah, <laughs> you're welcome. <laughs> Clayton, Clayton just smiled really big. Uh, they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit, and also Philip, and then a bunch of Greek names. It's, re- it's really clever. Yeah. They put together, the complaint was from the Hellenistic Jews that they were getting uh, overlooked in the distribution of food. This is, this is wise. So the team that they put together to distribute the food were all Hellenistic. They were all Greek yeah. in origin. Yeah. And, and here, the interesting thing is they're not just distributing the food to the Hellenist. It's not like, okay, hey, we had the Hebraic Jews. We've got a team for them. And mm-hmm. now we're going to make a team for this other group. Right. It's like, no. The, the group that's most likely to be overlooked, we're, at, we're actually going to make you responsible for all the groups. But, like, let, let, we'll elevate you. So there, there's something really, um, it would have been profound for it to say, this is what you did. You, you, you heard about, about the need and then you elevated godly people and said, you actually get a seat at the table to do something about this. That's very cool. And even one of them is a convert to Judaism. Like that's a little throwaway line. But the idea is, no, it's someone who might have actually been culturally Greek, not just Jewish who spoke Greek, but like came from the outside. Like there's there's something cool about that. Any other observations? I think it's important to see uh, in verse seven, it says, so yeah. the, word of, the word of God spread and the number of disciples in Jerusalem increased rapidly and a large number of priests became obedient to the faith. To me, um, the prioritizing like, 
you know, gathering up people and giving them jobs, you know what I mean? Different responsibilities. Okay, that's your gifting, that's your gifting, that's your gifting. When we don't focus on it all, we actually get a chance to expand and multiply our resources and our reach and all that stuff. And so um, because these people were able to focus on teaching and preaching the word of the Lord, it got out to people more. And the practical thing that happened was that more people came to faith. It's that's a it's a pretty cool thing. Yeah. You know, it's kind of like what we talked about in the last episode. Peter preached and then 3,000 people came to know Jesus. These people got a chance to get out there and preach the word of God and more people came to know Jesus. Yeah. Uh, the last thing that's jumping out to me is the seemingly throwaway phrase at the end of verse seven. So it says, so the word of God spread, the number of disciples in Jerusalem increased rapidly. And then the throwaway. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And a large number of priests became obedient to the faith. It's an, in, it's an interesting it's really statement interesting. there. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, so as I'm, I'm sitting across, okay, the priests, the priests would have been of higher status. They would have been less likely to convert to anything, yeah. to change their views. Uh, and so it, it's an interesting juxtaposition to Hellenistic Jews who are being overlooked in the daily distribution of food. So somehow the elevation of an overlooked people group results in the people who are in power and have the status coming to faith. It's, it's a it's really, really interesting surprising. play. Yeah. yeah, it really is. It really is. Um, I, I I keep thinking about this uh, the the overlooking part because um, what I what I love is the reaction that like when the, okay this happens in pers- your personal life it happens in our society when someone points out hey there's been a problem like something unfair has happened you know like within your family or you're talking about people who say you know this is the, this law is unfair or whatever like for the whole range of things the natural reaction is to say what hang on a second i didn't do anything wrong and to and to get defensive right like so that i could imagine the hebrew speaking jews saying wait a minute, we were just distributing the food and we didn't realize, or, you know, and like to, to have a certain amount of defensiveness arise. But instead what they did was they said, oh, hang on a second, that's a real problem. Let's let's listen and figure it out together. Like let's actually come up with a practical solution. I, I find that like so different than what my inclination is. Like when I feel like I'm just doing my thing and someone calls out something that I, I realize, oh, that wasn't very, I think of my children where uh, there are often conversations where uh, like, especially one of the younger ones, right? Like something feels unfair to them and uh, they, they say, oh, you're, you're using my, my, my things, right? Like you're my art supplies or you're taking up space on, on this or that or you, whatever. And they feel like something's, they've been wronged. Their older sister is thinking, I just was using it. I just, I wasn't doing anything. I wasn't like trying to hurt you. And so the older sister says, I wasn't doing anything wrong. Da, 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 da. And the, the younger one says, but you did this and all of a sudden everybody's mad, right? Um, that's our instinct. We all do it. But their instinct was to say, wait a minute, if this is really a problem, let's figure out a solution together. Like not get at each other's throats, but try and find, find a way to solve it. I, I just find that really uh, counterintuitive, like not normal uh, for human behavior. Refreshing. Yeah. Delightful. Refreshing. Yes. Wise. Spirit filled. Yeah. Not descriptive of the year 2022. Yeah. Yeah. All or right. The year 2021 or the year 2020. It's been a long time since it's been descriptive of us. 
<laughs> All right, let's move on to uh, one of the M's in comma. Let's uh, let's let's start with meditation. It's been a little while since we started with meditation. Um, I I want to zero in on the phrase that describes these guys that they chose. Uh, in verse three, it says they were full of the Spirit and wisdom, and in verse five, it says they are full of faith and the Holy Spirit. And um, I'm not going to give too much direction on that. I just find those very um, suggestive phrases. And I want to take just 45 seconds, have you pray about uh, those qualities. Uh, Maybe it's about yourself. Maybe it's about somebody else. Um, But I want you to to reflect on that. Give you 45 seconds. The phrases are full of the spirit and wisdom and full of faith and the Holy Spirit. All right, let's move on to the next M in comma, which is message. So uh, you can draw either from that phrase or from any of the the portions of of the passage. What message uh, did you guys get out of this passage? My message comes from verse seven. So the word of God spread. So the the real win here is twofold. I mean, yes, the food distribution happens in a more equitable way. But more important is that the word of God spread and that more and more people were entering the kingdom of God. I think sometimes we lose focus on that, especially in in large churches like ours, where there's all of these things that we could always do better at, right? We could, this this ministry area could be a little bit better. Or we could do that a little bit better. We could handle this building a little better, right? There's, there's a thousand things that you can look at and say, we could do that a little bit better. But we lose focus of the mission, the mission of God at Christ community, the way we say it is, we're here to make passionate disciples of Jesus Christ who are belonging, growing, serving, reaching. That's what we're doing. And there's always things to improve and do better at and figure out and come up with solutions. But at the end of the day, that is the deal. We are trying to make passionate disciples. Um, so, uh, you know, my, my message is that the, we, we should never lose sight of the mission of God, the ultimate, the ultimate goal. Uh, for me, I was... I was looking at this passage first and, and thinking like, um, uh, like, am I to kind of like ask myself, like, am I neglecting the needs of people around me? Like, am I pay atten- paying attention to the needs of people around me? Um, and what I was looking at was like, you know, tangible needs, like people who are hurting or need to be prayed for or whatever, you know, need, need some sort of help in, in any which way. Um, but just like when I said, so the word of the God, the word of God spread. Like I thought to myself, okay, instead of me thinking about those real tangible things, financial, physical, whatever, um, am I neglecting sharing the word of the Lord with people? You know, telling them about Jesus, telling them about how uh, his goodness and what he can do. You know what I mean? And um, I think. A lot of times it's easy for me 
to look at the very physical things that people need and how I can step in and maybe help or encourage when I should be pointing them to God. I should be saying something to them that will draw their attention to him. Uh, My message is that blind spots will divide us uh, unless we empower those we naturally overlook. So you've got you've got this group of people that could easily have frayed because one group just didn't see the needs of another group. But the solution was to say the people that I normally don't see and I normally don't get their perspective or they normally don't you know know what's up with them. I'm actually going to empower them to be a part of this process. And so I think um, it's kind of in contrast with that defensiveness, right? Like instead of saying, "No, wait, I'm going to defend myself," you say, "Oh, wait, I have a blind spot." I didn't realize that was going on or I, you know, it didn't matter that much to me. And what you do then is invite the people that you normally would have overlooked and say, come into this, like have some authority, have some responsibility, have some uh, say in how this goes on. Um, That's what brings the unity. And it's uh, like we pointed out, it's what leads to that, that growth and the uh, expansion of God's kingdom. Let's talk about a application. How do we respond to this? Practically, what do we do? And my application is going to be totally divorced from my message. <laughs> but, as, but as we're talking, uh, it became uh, more evident to me. So, you know, I, I serve as executive pastor, which means I oversee the staff, which means there's a thousand things to solve every day. There's thousands of details and organizational stuff. And I can fall into the trap of thinking that I need to solve everything that comes my way instead of pausing and saying, well, no, there's spirit-filled wise people that could step in and bring a solution to this. And so my application is going to be to ask the question, is this mine to solve or is this mine to give away? Um, Mine, going off of my message, is just uh, uh, being more aware of the times when I should talk, like encourage people by talking to them about God um, and not me trying to solve or step in to meet their need. Um, I think it's asking people the question, um, you know, if, if the idea is that we, we, we overlook, we miss, we have blind spots of other people's needs, is to a- actually ask someone, like, what am I not seeing? Or what about this is hard for you? And I, I, th- that, that applies to so many different situations. I think, um, like, I, I, should go, I should go talk to my wife and say, all right, we raise our kids together. We run our life together. Like, what, what, is, what, is, what are the hard parts for you that you feel the brunt of and I don't? And what do we do about that? Or even my kids, I'm afraid sometimes for these kinds of conversations, but just like to really like empathetically listen, like what's hard in, in life for you? Uh, people on my team, uh, people who, um, you know, I interact with and I just don't get their perspective um, to actually say to them, like, what about this is difficult? What do we need to do? What do you, what, what do you see that I don't see? Um, rather than assume I know what, what the problems are and what the needs are. That's great. All right, well, that is all that we have for you this week. Thanks for listening. Join us again next Monday for a new episode. We'll be looking at another passage from the Bible Savvy Reading Plan. And in the meantime, if you're not reading along, you can check out BibleSavvy.com to download it and to start reading along. You can also subscribe and leave a review on whatever platform you're listening on. Email us your questions or suggestions at podcast at BibleSavvy.com. Lastly, tell your friends, and we'll talk to you next week.